Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Welcome to the Bigfoot Field Guide Radio Network. I'm your host, D.W. Darkwing L.H. Lee, and my co-host is Randy Driver Operator Harrington. We are both senior field researchers for the Mid-America Bigfoot Research Center, which sponsors this show. Tonight's show, we're going to have on one of our MABRC senior researchers, uh, Doug Bulletmaker Bilby, who's going to talk about some of the encounters that he's had and some of the uh, folks that come to his property have and some of the research that's been going on there at this location. So basically, I'm going to let uh, Randy take over. He's going to talk about how him and Doug got to meet each other and got to be friends and everything. So go ahead, Randy. Okay, well, thank you, Darren. Uh, and as always, I'm glad to be here, uh, especially tonight, because uh, the uh, person we're going to be talking with tonight happens to not only be a senior field researcher for the MABRC, but a very, very dear friend of mine, and for two years I've known this gentleman, and when I first met him, I, you know, I started out investigating his property and, and talking to the neighbors and, and the locals, and uh, this man has got a very exciting place, And uh, but above all that, above all the research that's going on there and the, the, the fascinating times that I've spent there and the adrenaline rushes that I've had, the best thing that I've come out of his place so far is knowing him and, and calling him my best friend. Uh, so I'm glad to have you here. How's it going, Doug? Oh, pretty good there, uh, Randy. I, uh, uh, I'll owe you another $100 now for saying those <laughs> nice things about me. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I'm, I'm doing very, very well. I'm just trying to thaw out from that cold, cold weather we've had today. Oh, well, you know, uh, I was down there last month uh, to, to help you dig out there from that uh, ice storm and the, uh, the the days and days without electricity, and so I know what you're talking about. Uh, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to let you take over the, the floor here, uh, Bullet, if you would, and just kind of give us an overview of how things first started there at, at your property and uh, gave you any indication that there were things to be uh, watching for out there. Uh a- absolutely, Randy. Um, I would like uh, I would like to uh, welcome everyone that's uh, listening in tonight. And if those that that are not listening in, we'll give them a call and tell them to get on here because they're going to learn some stuff about Bigfoot tonight. Uh, I've been doing this now for 22 years. Uh, my first encounter was uh, like uh, in my storyline there on the MABRC. I told about uh, when I was a small child and had my very first encounter 
which was quite traumatic for me at, at a young age of uh, uh, nine years old. But, however, uh, I've had several encounters out here uh, when I moved out here 22 years ago. So, therefore, I consider I've been hunting these things for the past 22 years. Uh, I've made a, a CD called In the Shadows with Bullet Maker. Uh, disc 1 is out now. You can uh, purchase it by going to uh, to MABRC up at the top of the, uh, of the heading. You can see how you can, can purchase one of these discs. It tells... It will eventually tell all of my stories. Of course, I have so many stories, I can't put them all on one disc. But I go through the storyline step by step and try to imitate the sounds that these creatures do make. Uh, of course, uh, as we've all found out, it's best to hunt them, I think, on a full moon night. And guess what? We are having a full moon night as we talk. But uh, I've had several encounters. Uh, I think you'll be pleasantly entertained by some of the facts that I have found out about these most mysterious creatures. Uh, hey, Dad, if, do yeah. you mind if I go ahead? And, I want to go ahead and throw this, interject this in there for our listeners. When, when Bullock says a Bigfoot hunt, that's just what we've come to call these things over the years. They may have started out as being an actual hunt, but now he we, he calls it a hunt when when we're just out there doing research. Uh, we're not always out there, you know, in in that manner. So just wanted it to be clear that when when he says Bigfoot hunt, that just means it's it's out there looking for Bigfoot. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, Randy. Uh, when we say hunt, well, I'm I'm a hunter, so I I go ahead and say I'm hunting these creatures but we're actually trying to gather some information on them, if at all possible. And one thing that I have uh, came to the conclusion of from 22 years of hunting these creatures, and, and let me rephrase that again. I've been, I've been looking at these creatures, hunting them for 22 years, and there's a lot of people that hear my stories, and they'll go, gee, that guy is full of it. He's... He sees them every time he turns around. No, that is that is far from the truth. Uh, the fact is, I've got 22 years. That's a long time frame. I've got a lot of stories, but I do not see them every time I go out. But uh, the, the local person would think that I see them just by stepping out my back door, and that is not the case. Uh, so, Randy, where would you like me to start at? Well, I'd actually like to go ahead and just uh, uh, run something by you that I listened to today. I brought a video down or a DVD down at the uh, Honubby Conference this past year uh, from a, a lady named Esther who's been doing research, and the, the DVD is called Bigfooting in Oklahoma. And I was watching it today, and there was a gentleman on there that she was interviewing from the conference the year before in, in Honubby. And he was talking about being a, a Vietnam vet and setting up on the side of the mountain and having an animal come walking down the hill before daylight and sounded like it was on two legs. And he, he could understand that the animal must have sensed that he was there because it veered off the trail and went down an almost straight drop-off, uh, very tough to get down, but it just went straight down this 
cliff area and then continued walking. And it reminded me of a story that just happened this past hunting season with Bullet up at stand, I believe, stand number eight or eight and a half. And uh, he says that he heard something up on the ridge behind him, but the animal or whatever it was went straight over the cliff. And, you know, the cliffs around Bullet's place are anywhere from 50 to 75, 80 feet, you know, drop-offs. Uh, and so I just wanted to tell you that other people are hearing some of the same things, you know. So, so when Bullet said that this animal must have dropped off the side of the cliff there and continued on to avoid coming by him in the stand, well, you can believe it because, you know, here's somebody else uh, from down in the Kaimichi area reporting the same thing. And that's what happened today, but I, I didn't want to detract from Bullet starting, you know, from where he was going to start on his stories. Well, let me uh, touch on that very story there, Randy. Yes, you're correct. It was uh, stand number five is the stand it was. And uh, for the listeners out there, uh, I've been selling deer leases for the past eight years. Uh, I never tell my clients that we have big feet out here. I let them tell me. Uh, so, therefore, uh, at the end of the day, a client is checking out, and he will make some comment about uh, a strange sound or a strange creature that he saw, and uh, they usually don't come back and scares them so bad. But, uh, but I never tell them about the Bigfoots. Therefore, when they tell me a, a sighting that they had, I know that what they saw was a Bigfoot from the description. Uh, the stand number five uh, is down at the one end of my property up on the hill. My stands are numbered one through 12 in a clockwise position in numerical order. Well, stand number five, I hunted the, uh, this deer, past deer season, 2007, and behind me was uh, sheer cliffs. Uh, like Randy was saying, some of these cliffs are 50, 75, some are 130-foot sheer drop-off. And uh, this this one cliff behind me was one of those 130-foot drop-off sheer cliffs. It was about 30 yards in, on my backside. I wasn't worried about a deer coming in behind me. I am deer hunting, by the way. I'm not Bigfoot hunting. But when I when I deer hunt, I am also Bigfoot hunting because I see these creatures during the deer season. There's another thought on that pattern right there. But uh, along about sundown, uh, I saw no deer, but I'm going to stay till dark. And approximately about, uh, oh, 15 minutes past uh, legal shooting time, whenever the sun has set and there's not enough light to really see a deer, uh, I hear this motion behind me, it kind of... Uh, it kind of surprised me because I'd been sitting there on that five-tower stand for prob probably four to five hours. There was no motions behind me, no sounds, nothing. Uh, and I will describe behind me being a lot of uh, scrub oaks and thorn, thorn trees, small seven, eight-foot-tall kind of brushy area. Um, all of a sudden, I hear this uh, moving around back there and a couple of grunts like, uh, <coughs> and I, I jerked around because it just surprised the heck out of me. Now, again, remember, it's 
it's uh, getting pretty dark, and I cannot make out a visual past 15 yards. Beyond that, it's uh, completely, completely washed out in black. But something was moving back there, and it was uh, pretty, pretty hostile. A big, a big something, a big-bodied something or another, grunting, um, uh, sort of like a monkey grunt. And uh, I trained my whole senses on that area using my peripheral vision, trying to pierce the darkness of the woods back there. I didn't have my night vision with me. All I had was my uh, binoculars and the the rifle, the scope on my rifle, which was, of course, totally worthless at this point. Uh, it seemed like eternity, but it was probably... Uh, of 15 minutes of duration of total silence. I knew this this thing, creature, whatever, was there because he had to walk by me to get out of there. Now, if he did walk by me, I would definitely see a form. Even though it was dark, I could still would be able to see a form. Well, this thing went down that cliff, that sheer drop-off, 130 foot. And the reason I know he went down it is because there was there was branches branches being pulled loose as it was as he was letting himself down the scale side of that cliff. And I heard. Let me uh, let me describe to people. I've walked the the base of those cliffs uh, when when I've been there doing my research, and the base of these cliffs, even though it's maybe 130 feet down to the ground. You've got a lot of boulders that have worked themselves loose and tumbled down the sides of these canyon walls, and there's a lot of shale and things like that, which actually kind of pile up at the bottom so that it might drop down 50 feet or so, and then it starts to slope at the bottom because of all the buildup of, of shale and stuff uh, tumbling down the walls. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want people to think that an animal will take a, an absolute 130-foot drop, but they could actually scoot down these walls, and, and by the time they get to the bottom, it would be more of a slide rather than a straight drop. Is that correct? Yes, that's, uh, that's correct, Randy. And, in fact, if the, if the people go on uh, MABRC, uh, there is a site on there that Randy has posted a lot of these pictures. Do you remember which site that is, Randy? Uh, I believe it's on your research thread, so if you go to Bullet Maker's Den at the MABRC, you should be able to, to locate all these pictures. And let me let me interject and give everybody the address there, guys. Uh, it's www.mid-americabigfoot.com. Uh, that'll take you to our portal, and you can actually go to the website or to the forum, and that's, that's where Bullet Maker's Den is at. It's actually the... Uh, uh, on the forum. Yeah, and I also want to say that uh, uh, I like to rack my brain. You know, I spent years and years reading thousands of reports before I even stepped foot in the woods because trying to get an understanding of, of these animals. Uh, and I remember reading a report. You know, I can't say if it was in Northern California or Washington, but there were some Boy Scouts that were walking after dark with some girls, and they all had flashlights, and they walked by this water tower. And I remember they, they said that somebody shined a flashlight at the top of this water tower, which I'm assuming 30, 40 feet up, and there was something peering over the platform at them, and they all started shining their light up there. And when they did that, this animal jumped off the far side, which would have been you know a good 40-foot drop, and they said it hit the ground running. So... If you, you take reports like that, heights 
you know, you know, if that animal can jump 40 feet and, and, and hit the ground running, then it's not too far-fetched to believe that they could drop off the sides of some of these cliffs. Absolutely. And, uh, Darren, if you'll give them that address one more time, I know I'm real slow, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there that's smarter than me, but if someone's just viewing in tonight, they may have missed that address. Could you give them that address one more time, please? Okay, yeah, sure will. It's www.mid-americabigfoot.com. And, of course, once you get to that, that's our uh, portal page, and you can go to the either the website or the forum. And, of course, the forum is where Bullet's got a lot of his information at. So. You know, and also Bullet was saying how there's been some hunters in the past. And, you know, and when you're thinking about 22 years of, of paid leases, many, many guys every year, and he has had some hunters leave, uh, but he also has hunters who have gotten excited, who have gotten bitten by the Bigfoot bug. And when they re- realize what's going on out there and what is actually throwing stuff at their tree stands or, or hollering at them or shaking trees, they come back. And, and then they want to start coming back after dark and setting up in those tree stands. So so not everybody gets gets scared, but uh, some of them actually want to, want to come back and start to become researchers. Uh, absolutely. The... Uh... The creature that night uh, uh, that, that scaled down that 130-foot cliff, uh, I heard plants, uh, smaller scrub oaks, uh, you know, on the side of those cliffs. Uh, trees will grow out of the sides, so will the root system. Now, what, uh, what bewildered me was I sat confidently in that stand thinking there was nothing behind me, nothing humanly uh, possible that could have been behind me. And then when it got dark, of course, the creature started grunting and uh, tearing trees up, literally, and then he backed down the backside, climbed down it. And that just freaked me out because of the fact that uh, even though you think they're not in a particular area, they are. Now, there's a possibility... Uh, he could have been sleeping there. And I've told uh, Randy about this spot several times that that would be a very excellent observation post because it comes out on the tip of that canyon and you can see for miles up and down those canyons anything moving at all, you can pinpoint it with uh, astounding accuracy, especially with night vision. Uh, However... I never dreamed in my wildest thoughts that there was a creature there that night. He could have been watching me the whole time. He could have scaled that cliff and then saw me and got angry. Or the other possibility was he was sleeping in that thick that thick clump of stunted trees and uh, woke up to uh, see me uh, looking around like a... Uh, squirrel on a tree knot and then got angry yeah and incidentally that that same strip pit at the base of that cliff is where you had a couple of hunters that came out there one day to go fishing and came up to your house and uh, saw a couple of footprints down there and uh, they skedaddled after that uh yes that's correct uh, i had uh ken and ernie uh two of my uh my uh clients they're they're very keyed up on this bigfoot thing now and uh, they come out in the summertime to fish those strip pits. Uh, it's very hard to get to those strip pits 
you have to be under 30 years old to get down there. I guarantee you. Uh, I used to I used to go down there all the time. 22 years ago, I can still get down there to this day. However, by the time I got falling down the cliff and picking the rocks out of my eardrums in my pocket, it would be very hard to get back up. I'm 62 now. But they was down there. They went down to fish and instantly came upon these huge tracks on the side of the strip pit and back of this very point that I was telling you about. They came out of there. This was in August, by the way. They were they were covered in perspiration and exhausted. And I said, gee, guys, did you catch a lot of fish? You weren't down there very long. And that's when they told me about the footprints. And they said they were fresh. And it scared them, and they left. I asked them, would they take some plaster Paris down there to cast me some tracks? And they said, no way. And did you get everybody an idea just how difficult it is, even when you're on the downside of that, trying to trying to skirt along that uh, strip pit? Uh, I believe we've got some pictures on on Bullet's threads where uh, another researcher met me there for a weekend, and uh, we went in that direction around the strip pits, and it was my first time walking that in that way, and. Uh, I've got pictures of this researcher exhausted, sitting on the ground with his feet stuck in the mud, and just to give you an idea of how how rough it is traveling through there. Oh, absolutely! It's a it's an exhaustive uh, hike through there. Like like I was saying earlier, when I first moved out here, I was in really good shape. Uh, so I don't know if old age caught up with me, or if Trompanese Hills has made me an old man before my times. <laughs> uh, however, I would like to point out that there is there is a lot of sightings out here, especially around these strip pits and these hills. Uh, another quick story is that uh, one of my neighbors, uh, which is uh, at that time was uh, 23 years old. In fact, this was just a couple of years ago. He came up to my house, and we were visiting, and uh, he had been kind of hitting the uh, moonshine, if you know what I mean. And uh, he told me that uh, he had been fishing down there one day, and he smiled because he was on my property, and he knows I'm very protective of my property. And he said he had a nice stringer of fish, and he was down at that strip pit, and he was sitting there, enjoying the nice breeze and catching a lot of fish and the sun was starting to set and he heard something or he felt a presence up on top of him up on the cliff up above his head he turned around and saw this rather large man all he could see was a black silhouette and he thought it was a trespasser now he's a he is one of my neighbors, but out here we're all hillbillies, and we'll fight and cuss each other. But you've heard the old saying, "Don't try to, don't let an outsider come in and try that, because we'll whoop him." But we can cuss and fight each other, but we don't like other people talking bad about him. You know, it's just one of those old hillbilly rules out here. So he turns around to this dark object up on the cliff above him. And he, he lets out a bunch of cuss words at the at the person and says, Who the F and F and give you permission to be on this property? 
he said the, cre- the, the person, what he thought was a person at first, squatted down on his haunches and looked over at him, looked over that that wall and and growled at him with a deep guttural. <laughs> he said, "You know, Doug, my fish and my fishing pole are still down there in that strip pit. I ran off and left them." <laughs> he said, "That that is the truth." And he said, "Everybody knows what roams these hills out here." He said, "And these and these these people's got a lot of cattle. They're they they're they're cattlemen's what they are." He said, "We know what's out there. We don't go out there in the dark." And speaking of cattle, I just want everybody to know that when I first went there to Bullet's place, uh, my main goal was to just investigate the area and and corroborate some of his stories with neighbors and such. And, uh, you know, of course, we're talking about cattle kills and things like that. So uh, I contacted a neighbor. Well, I mean, not a next door neighbor, but a but a landowner in that area who actually lives in Tulsa and asked him if he had had any of his cattle predicted. And uh, he said just that year, which was 2006, uh, it was in the fall of 2006 when I called him, he said just that year they had six steer uh, taken by predators. And he, of course, was saying that he th- thinks it's a mountain lion, uh, said he has caves on his property and thinks that he, you know, maybe mountain lions are using the caves on his property. So I'd actually like to go to that gentleman's property too. Uh, but also uh, in light of that, uh, talking to other people, I have been to the uh, – uh, meat locker, you know, in the in the uh, fire when the, when they're butchering a lot of deer deer meat and things like that to to get scraps to use as bait. And the owner of the meat locker, you know, I, I don't hide the fact why I'm there. Matter of fact, Bullet is the one who sent me there to get the scraps. And I talked to the gentleman uh, about what was going on and told him about deer being found up in the tree. And I had a gentleman who was dropping off a deer from the area tell me. He says, it's funny that you say that. He said, because I have myself have found a deer up in the tree 15, 20 feet high before. So this guy, here he is bringing in cooperating uh, evidence that there's something going on. Uh, you know, and mountain lions might take them up in the tree. I mean, I'm thinking more of a jaguar cat is the kind of cat that drags their prey up in the tree. But, you know, it could be a mountain lion. I mean, I'm not sure. But also in a local restaurant. I was talking to a lady that worked there, and I told her why I was there, and of course she was fascinated. And she said she grew up in Wingenon, which is just a, a few miles from, from Bullet's Place. And she says when I was growing up, she said my brothers will always talk about the Wingenon monster. And she says now I know that you know, it might have been a Bigfoot. So, so there's plenty of stories to go around in that area, and Bullet just happens to be a lucky one that's been paying attention for the past 22 years. Absolutely, Randy, and... Uh... You know that's the, that's the thing. Uh, uh, most people will not tell you these stories unless they know you're interested or you are a longtime resident. Even though I've been out here 22 years, I'm still considered the new the new kid on the block. Uh, I'm finding out more and more and more secondhand stories that I know these people personally that's had these these sightings, and they are now coming forward to me and telling me these stories. I'd like to uh, uh, comment on what Randy said a while ago, though, and that is a mountain lion does not drag its prey into the trees. A mountain lion always kills and eats the uh, the victim on the ground, and when it's, once it's had its fill, 
It covers the uh, victim up, the animal up, with leaves and twigs and dirt, and then it goes off to a distance and digests the food, but it keeps its its eye on that prey that it's buried, and it will keep coming back until it has consumed the animal to the point of there's just scavenger meat left. I would also like to uh, make a note. Uh, there was other people on other sites that had uh, that had uh, berated us, made fun of us about that story of the uh, the animals being up in the fork of trees. That no such creature could do that. And uh, this gentleman that Randy was talking about, that has this property across the road from me. Uh, the other people that was a naysayer said, well, there's, there's no animal that can put a deer in the tree. Well, the correct version of that story was these were not deer in the tree. They were cows in the tree, 600 and 800-pound cows up in those trees in the fork of the trees. So that was a correction that a lot of those people misunderstood or just blatantly disregarded the true facts. And you know what's interesting, this gentleman told me, he wasn't being high up in the tree. He just said it was at a, on, in a fork that was about 8 or 10 foot off the ground, which to me would be about shoulder height to a good-sized Bigfoot. Absolutely, Randy, absolutely. And the fact that, you know, yes, we, we have found uh, parts of deer in the fork of trees, but I don't have cattle. I don't. I don't raise cattle. I just raise Bigfoots. It seems like. <laughs> but but uh, but this gentleman was saying they were they were regular full grown cattle up in the fork of these trees. So that kind of coincides with what we've been talking about all along. Uh, again, we have found deer, uh, uh, a hind section. Uh, uh, a leg, etc., in a tree. But in this situation, these were full-grown 600, 800-pound cattle. So that that had to take some really good strength to heave one of those up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the, the the stories just abound out here. And of course, everybody will be able to to hear my stories. On my CD, the uh, In the Shadows with Bullet Maker, uh, Volume One. Uh, I can only get so much on a on a, a disc, so there'll be several discs to follow. But if you go to the MABRC, you can follow right along. Uh, I get more uh, explicit, and I can imitate the sounds on these discs, of course. And if, well, we we also have some actual recordings, also. Absolutely, on my first disc. Uh, I'm playing uh, Randy's recording, which was taken uh, down on my property, down at Spencer's Creek, of an actual Bigfoot that's approaching his coffin. Now, if you guys don't know what his coffin is, I I nicknamed that trailer of his a coffin because he gets in that thing and stays all night. And I told him, that will make a nice coffin when I find your body in the morning. (laughs) so the name is sort of stuck. Wait, we also need to clarify this. I mean, there's no there's no degree of certainty that we can say that was a Bigfoot that screamed in this recording. There's actually two different two different sounds in the same recording, but 
you know, if, if you if you put two and two together with what's going on there and what what we hear sometimes at nights with rock clacking and 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 wood knocks and and the screams and such, there's a good indication that this is something not quite discovered yet. But you know, just to be safe, we we can't say for sure that it is one, but you know, we know it probably is. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I've been around these things for 22 years. I can unequivocally say it was a Bigfoot or it was a guy with a death wish, one of the two. Cause but I, have, I, I, I have had many, many people listen to that and, and other Bigfoot researchers listen to that and, and, and ask them, you tell me what animal would make this sound. And, and every hunter that has listened to that says, I have never heard that before. I do not know. And, and I have had a researcher tell me that one of the calls in there was a locator call. Because that particular night, I had heard at least 20 to 25 of those same calls throughout the area, throughout those bottoms areas. And what I, what I heard was I would hear that call in the distance, and then I would hear it up close, and I would hear it somewhere else. And, and I spent the whole night listening to these calls, and I was thinking it was the same animal that was doing some serious moving around. But another research brought it to my attention that there was not one animal there. There were many animals, and, and they were located all over the place using these locator calls. And, and that kind of unnerved me a little bit because I, I really don't – I don't know. You know, I, I'm not that afraid of, of one, but the, the idea of 10 or 15 of them suckers around just kind of gives you the willies. Well, and uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, Doug. I just agreeing with Randy because – uh, I've seen more than a few up there at one time, and I, I guarantee you it does shake you up pretty bad. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I, I think it was like uh, pit bulls, pit bulls pulling you, pulling you apart. Uh, these things would not have a problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, on my report there on uh, Darren's site, MABRC, uh, I give a report of uh, – the uh, hunt at Spencer's Creek, and that particular night, uh, we saw seven, seven Bigfoots in one night. So, yes, uh, I'm very much uh, uh, agreeable, agree that these these creatures, uh, you see one, and uh, there's another one around there somewhere, maybe, maybe six more at, on top of that. But uh, on, the, on the tape, uh, on my CD, that is, In the Shadows with Bullet Maker, uh, I I play Randy's uh, sound at the beginning of the tape. Uh, I describe it so that the uninitiated listener will know what it is when they're hearing it because they may think it's me drinking moonshine, screaming. <laughs> but but uh, you definitely by playing it over several times, uh, the first to the to the educated Bigfoot hunter, you will automatically. You hear the stream, the creek running in the background. You hear a couple of coon dogs way off barking. And then you hear this creature as it's walking through the brush. You can actually hear his footsteps. He is walking on two legs. And then it sounds like he's right outside of Randy's coffin, and he beats a couple of tree knocks, and then he screams that blood-curdling scream that cannot be imitated uh, by a human voice. And I can tell you, the recording does not do justice to that second scream. The first scream was the locator call. It was just a short whoop. But the second scream was very loud 
And when I was in that trailer, I, you know, I keep it pitch dark. So here I am in this little dark box completely blacked out. And all I'm sitting there is with my, my parabolic microphone. And when this thing screamed, I jumped because, I mean, I, I tell you, I squirted out an egg. And it was that, <laughs> it was that scary. And I didn't even know until after we listened to the recording the next day that there was, there was a, a real quick n- knock right before the scream. I didn't even hear that part because the scream had me so overwhelmed. Yeah, I listen to it uh, just practically every day, and I could hear those uh, pre-knocks before that scream. In fact, there was a couple of softer knocks before those three knocks that sound like it was a little further back. So uh, there was more than one there that night. It's a very good tape to play in the pitch dark, turn out your lights in your house, or go sit in the woods. And, and put that scream on full volume, it will make you scared, I guarantee you. And uh, are we still there? Did I lose everybody? Oh, no, no, you're, you're still there. We just got real quiet on you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you was, I know what you were doing. You were thinking about playing that outside in the woods. It will definitely give you goosebumps. And I, I guarantee you, if you, it would be an excellent tape for... Halloween night at some uh, camp with little kids or adults because it will it will put the goosebumps up and down you. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, tell you, I tell you what, what's got me going right now, and and I'm and I'm occasionally zoning off thinking about it, and I'm just thinking about my next trip there. I mean, I ca- I absolutely cannot wait. Well, the big hunt that's uh, planned, I I practically guarantee you that we will have a. Uh, Hopefully, uh, the way everything is set up uh, with uh, sensor techs, equipment, and all that, uh, I'm pretty confident that we will actually get one on tape, on film, in other words. Yeah, and that's what we're really hoping for. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Dan, you had several encounters from the last one down there, remember, when you was doing those uh, carbonic dishes and stuff, you know. Yeah, that... That's the one where I seen seen about a dozen of them go across that field where you seen the seven of them at one time in that one night. Uh huh. And uh, it it spooked me so bad that I didn't even get out of the vehicle till the next morning. <laughs> well, I've uh, I've got uh, two of these uh, deer hunters from last year. A strain uh, for 2006. When I say last year, I mean 2006 because we had just finished up the deer season for 2007. So to me, it's still 2007. I'm not even used to writing 2008 yet on my on my bad checks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these two gentlemen, uh, Ernie and uh, uh, Ken, and Ken uh, what happened there in 2006, uh, and I've told uh, Randy this, I've had... Uh, equal amount of sightings in broad daylight as I have at night. So uh seems like they pick up around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I've had a lot of encounters over the last uh, 22 years around that time frame from 3 o'clock in the afternoon on. But anyhow, 2006, this creature was up here by my house on the south side of the house. I have a tower stand one, a one and a half, and tower stand number two 
These are 16-foot tower stands, totally enclosed. And this creature, which I knew was a Bigfoot, uh, was was broad daylight up here. Now, I'm going to try to imitate his sound. So everybody out there kind of uh, cut me some slack. But it sounded between the uh, the the uh, the the sound of a of a jackass donkey and uh, a squeaky pup and uh, a, a peacock on steroids, I guess you'd say. But but here's the sound that this creature made. Could you hear that very good? Yes. Could you hear that? Yes, I heard it. Okay. Uh, that's my best imitation of it. Now, this thing, of course, was was humongous volume, humongous uh, uh, lung capacity. And uh, I knew eventually that one of the hunters was going to get to see this thing. So what I did, I, I parked in my mule, a uh, Kawasaki mule, uh, on the extreme western edge of the property, because I knew this thing was out here in the daytime. Now, I don't know why it was out here in the daytime, and I don't know why it kept screaming. There was something about it. He, he ran all over the property over here, and this little old 15-acre beside the house, it's about a 15, 20-acre parcel here beside the house, thickly wooded, and he had taken up residence in the in the daytime. Now, there's theories behind it, but I think what he was doing, he was trying to call up a mate. You know, I've seen little Bigfoots out here, so as far as I know, it was their 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 mating call. I have no idea, but what happened? This thing kept on doing this, and my grandson, Eric, he spent the night with Papa, me, Papa, and we have a fifth-wheel trailer beside the house, and I've got it plugged into the outlets, and we've got TV and a toilet, and it's real comfy. And uh, uh, when we first bought that fifth wheel, me and the wife was spending a few nights in it, and we felt the trailer being pushed. And every time I'd get up and look out the window, I wouldn't see anything. Occasionally, I would see a black form, like a shadow, running across the yard, a, a fairly good-sized shadow. So anyhow, this particular night, I, I woke up, and my grandson was sleeping in the living room on the couch. And I said, I said, Eric, uh, didn't you like your bunk beds? Yeah, Papa, but the creature looked in the window at me. I said, well, why didn't you wake me up? He said, I was too scared to move. I said, well, what was he doing? He said he was tapping on the trailer. He was walking around the trailer and tapping on it with his fingernails. And he said, then he tapped on my window, and I looked at him, and he was smiling at me. And he said it was like a big grin showing his teeth. And he said, I got scared and coming here. And I said, well, next time you wake Papa up, Papa sleeps with a big pistol. And we will take when I talked to Eric about it, one of the reasons that he didn't come get you because he had to walk right by the side door to get to your to your little room, and, and that's what scared him the most, going by the door? Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, I had him to draw me a, a picture of what he saw. Of course, you know, this is a, a little teen. You know, he's, I think he was, uh, Eric was uh, 11 years old at the time. 
Uh, he's 13 now, but uh, it freaked him out real bad. And to this day, uh, I've got his PlayStation 3, or my PlayStation 3. That's why he comes to stay with Papa. He wants to play my PlayStation 3. And it's set up out there in that fifth wheel. So he'll go out there and play that PlayStation 3 as long as the sun's up. But when it gets dark, he wants me to be with him. And, um, I just want everybody to know, when, when Bullet says that something pushes the trailer and he gets up and goes to the door and doesn't say anything, you can read a book in how long it takes him to get to the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the fastest anymore, that's for sure. But uh, to finish this story up, what happened was, uh, remember I told you that this creature, this Bigfoot, was roaming around in broad daylight screaming and bellowing. Uh, that's that Saturday morning. It was Friday night when this happened. Saturday morning, Eric wanted to come to the house, so I got up with him, and we heard the creature now. This is 8.30 in the morning, right down the driveway between the blacktop road, about 150 yards middle of that driveway. We heard him scream again, and, and Eric got scared. And he says, come on, Papa, let's go. I said, okay, Eric, so we come in the house. I grabbed my big buffalo rifle. I went back out, but I didn't see him. But anyhow, about two days later, my two my two deer hunters, Ken and Ernie, saw him. They saw the creature, and it scared the crap out of them. And uh, they started to they started to quit the lease because they never realized anything like that happened. And you, I talked to Eric about his, his sighting out there and uh, trying to get some more details out of him. And uh, he, he was tight-lipped about it even then, and, and he just basically said that it was too close to dark. He didn't want to talk about it when it was that close to dark because it it makes him think about it, and he doesn't want to think about it, especially after dark. Absolutely. I have uh, a lot of Bigfoot movies uh, here at the house like everybody else has. And uh, one thing Eric will tell me when he comes out to speak, uh, spend the weekend with Papa, first thing he says is, Papa, we're not going to watch no Bigfoot stories when it gets close to dark. I said, okay, I won't put any on. So he's still freaked out over that incident. Uh, Ken and Ernie, they, uh, they, got a, they got a kick out of it after they got, after they got uh, over being scared to death. The thing... The thing walked right by them. They thought it was me and my mule. And uh, Ernie or Ken had called me at 8.30 in the morning and said uh, he had a cell phone, and he was out there in the woods deer hunting, and he said, yeah, Doug, what do you want? I said, what do you mean what I want? Well, you went by me here a while ago, just a while ago, on your mule. I said, no, no, I'm not on my mule. I'm here at the house. I'm just now getting out of bed. I didn't go hunting. And I said, what color was this mule? And he said, black. And I said, okay, my mule is green. I said, what does a mountain gorilla look like when it's walking on all fours? And he goes, oh, my God. He said, you're freaking me out. You're freaking me out. And I said, did you hear the motor running or anything? No, no. He said, it was quiet. I said, which way to go? And he said, it went west. And I said, well, Ken, if it went west, it's going to that 130-foot cliff. And he says, oh, my God, you're freaking me out. That's where it went, Doug. <laughs> and uh, Ernie, the other, the other hunter, he said, he thought. He said, uh, he said uh, yeah, you might describe it as a mountain gorilla, you know, uh, from the back. But uh, it freaked them both out. And uh, 
But I've got tons and tons of stories like that. And again, people, I don't want people to to uh, get the impression that this has all been from two or three years. This is 22 years of it. And I've even got stories that I've never even written down. But uh, uh, Randy insisted, and it was good a good thing he did, that I need to put all this down on disc or tape or something. So for posterior reasons, it, it, posterity, it won't be lost, you know. I said, yeah, it's a good idea, so that's what I started doing. But uh, Randy and uh, Darren are both uh, witnesses. Uh, they have uh, seen stuff out here, and uh, there are creatures running around. Is this going to be a one-hour show, Darren? Uh, we, we still got about 12. We still got about 12 minutes. Well, I'd like it if, if Bullet would just give everybody a taste of things that happened there before Bullet got there. Remember, uh, was it old man, Leon Bible, Old Man Bible, talking about the screaming screaming pigs? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a gentleman, he's he's passed on, uh, Lloyd Bible. Uh, he's one of the old mountain men out here and uh, really a unique person. Uh, uh, Lloyd had uh, given me an education uh, deluxe by by actually confiding in me all of the uh, aspects, the mysterious areas, the things out in this area. Uh, so many people today uh, don't pay attention to their surroundings. But old Lloyd, he was, at the time, was 78 years old, and I would see him walking through the woods over here barefoot sometimes. Uh, he was a crusty old soul, a true mountain man, and... Uh, Lloyd told me lots of lots of interesting stories, and uh, uh, he would come and visit me about once a week. The wife always uh, had coffee made, and uh, and uh, we'd have a big apple pie or something. He had a sweet tooth; he loved uh, apple pies. But anyhow, Lloyd sat down to visit, and uh, I said, "Lloyd, uh, what type of creatures actually run around out here in these woods?" He said, "Well, boy," he said. There's a uh, there's a lot of things you wouldn't believe," he said. "Why, well, well, there's there's creatures that, uh, that that nobody knows about. They they wouldn't believe you if you told them." And I said, "Well, Lloyd, tell what are some of them?" He said, "Well, he said there was a big old red boar, had 16 inch double double curls tusk. He said it was eating our calves, so we had to ride it down on horseback and shoot and kill it. Weighed 600 pounds." It kills. It had eaten about eight of my calves over the years, and and gored two or three of my horses when we tried to kill it. And I said, okay, then what? What's some of the other stories? I'm trying to get him around the Bigfoot, you know, and he's telling me all these other stories. And I said, well, well, have you ever seen anything? Uh, have you ever seen a Bigfoot? He said, a, a what? What? What is it? And I said, a Bigfoot. It's a it's a hairy looking man that walks on two legs. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, we we call them squealing pigs. I said, squealing pigs? He said, yeah, yeah, I was working on my tractor off the cliff, off the high wall behind you. The carburetor was all gone out, and I was cleaning it out one morning. He said, it was just at, at sun up. The sun was just coming up. And he said, I'm being pelted by rocks, little pebbles and rocks hitting the ground around me. He said, I look back over my shoulder up on your cliffs, and he said, there's six or eight of these little monkey-looking creatures jumping up and down and slinging rocks at me and squealing like a pig. 
So henceforth, we called them squealing pigs. You know, he had stories like that. And I said, uh, well, well, did you ever see any big ones? Oh, yeah, yeah. He said, I, uh, I once seen a, seen a bear down there behind you, a big old, big old cinnamon-colored bear eating those berries. He said the thing walked off on two legs and just kept on walking. The strangest thing about it was he didn't walk like a bear. He, he, he walked like a man. And I said, well, that's what we call a Bigfoot now. And I said, you, you say he was cinnamon-colored. He said, well, he, he looked cinnamon-colored to me, boy. You know, and uh, I said, well. And, uh, it's, but it's, he, just he, it's just hard for me to imagine you being a boy to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lloyd was a crusty old guy, and, and he's, he's definitely missed. He passed away, uh, say, three years ago now, and uh, he was 80, in his late 80s when he passed away, and the guy could just sit there and walk and talk with the best of them. Uh, he was from the old school, and uh, he was definitely uh, born 100 years too late, and uh, I had a lot of stories. I had Lloyd recorded. Lloyd was, uh, his mother was the first cousins to the Dalton gang. And he told me lots of stories of the Daltons coming up these hills to recuperate from gunshots and whatnot. Anyhow, uh, Lloyd told me that uh, the Daltons uh, come up here and they uh, they always hid out for four or five days and then they'd leave. They didn't like his dad. They didn't like Lloyd's dad. So his dad never went outside the house because they would have killed him. But Lloyd's mother was their first cousin. But anyhow... Uh, there's lots and lots of stories out here. Cherokee Corner, Tick Eaters, et cetera, et cetera. And Tick Eaters was a was an Indian family that lived out here forever. And all their all their grave markers are still out here. And uh they've all been acquainted with Bigfoot. Uh the Bigfoot is not a phenomenon that just happened. Uh Bigfoot out here has been forever. Uh all these people out here are like uh, second and third generations. Uh, most of them, most of them's great grandparents and grandparents coming uh, before before the land rush. So it's quite a it's quite a historical area, actually. It's it's a it's a minefield uh, full of, of of stories, historical insignificant maybe to some people, but uh, nevertheless, some great stories out here. And I was blessed in uh, meeting Lloyd, and I recorded him with a uh, small recorder at his permission. He didn't know what it was, but he gave me permission to record him. And then, of course, our house burnt to the ground back in 96, I think it was 1996. And I lost all of those stories, but I've got them in my head, and I'll be putting those down, too. Well, that's great. But and also, is it Lloyd's boys that that are running the cattle on the land now? Do what? Is it is it his sons that are running the cows on the land now? I I, I couldn't hear you real clear there, Randy. Uh, the land, the people's property, is it his sons or his grandsons that are that are working the cattle there now? Oh, it's his uh, grandsons. Yeah. It's okay. just—it's just, it's just funny to people if, if you know, when I'm doing their research and you see these guys hustling up on their vehicles and hurry up and get the hay and get everything out to feed them cows and try to beat the sun down. 
yes, it was the uh, it was the grandson that told me the story of him uh, being in the strip pit when the Bigfoot came up on top of him. He thought it was a trespasser. That was Lloyd's grandson. And uh, uh, there's uh, lots of stories. Lloyd, Lloyd one time uh, witnessed a big mountain lion. Uh, Lloyd always had five or six big, curly, junkyard dogs that was with him all the time. Lloyd was always by himself down in them bottoms. But he always got out at dark. And he went down there one, one morning and uh, witnessed a uh, huge mountain lion. I had one of his uh, his hogs that weighed 150 pounds, and he had it in his jaw, and he was, he was walking away with this dead hog. Uh, Lloyd's dogs took out, after that mountain lion, the mountain lion dropped the hog and took out running. But he came up and got me, and I went down there with his huge tracks. He wanted me to sit down there in a tree at night and kill that mountain lion. I said, no way, I ain't that brave. <laughs> well, now, so, uh, let me interrupt here a second, guys. We're getting close to the end of the show. Uh, Randy, you was talking to me the other day about wanting to ask uh, Doug about the uh, the feathers and the the turtle shell. Oh, yeah. You know, just there's been a couple of instances where uh, gifts. Well, actually, probably three instances where gifts were left around his house. Uh, don't know if we have time for it. I'm just going to throw these out there, and of course, these can be talked about. We can set up another show and, and talk about these kind of things. But uh, d- uh, there was some gifts left behind uh, Bullet's house one time, and they were laid side by side: a a bluebird, a cardinal, and a turtle shell. Maybe not in that order, but they were all three together, uh, dead with no damage to them. They just were dead still, and and they weren't ruffled. They weren't featherless. They were just complete birds lying there dead. And there was another instance where a squirrel was left on the, the steps of his camper with a head ripped off, uh, and he knew it was ripped off instead of cut off because of the stringy uh, innards still hanging on the neck, and his bulldog at the time would not touch it, would not even go near it, even though that bulldog has eaten everything that ever came into the yard that was smaller than it. And another instance when I was there, we saw a dead squirrel hanging in the tree behind the camper about 10 foot off the ground. And those are at least three that I know of. Yeah, the uh, the gift, I call it the gifts. There were outside my bedroom window was that uh, red cardinal and then a box turtle and then a blue jay in that order. And I, I inspected them and there was no markings on them whatsoever. It was, it was as if they had just died of fright. And they were they were fully intact. Uh, they weren't rotted. They were rather fresh, because the birds, when I picked them up, were limber. So these things had been killed that morning, or had been gathered up. It was a red cardinal, box turtle, and a blue jay, and that was uh, very very mysterious. So, and uh, yeah, we're we're definitely going to have to. We're running into the same problem the other shows have run into. Uh, we're going to have to have more time next time. Well, we, we, we have to acknowledge uh, all of our visitors. Yeah, uh, we got a lot of them, too. We've got uh, Sasquatch Found, uh, Guest 11, Ape Bait, Doc Shooter 187, Creek Freak, Whammy 9, uh, Grizzly, Great Pumpkin, Soonerborn 76, Guest 13, Derek, No Noob, Nerd Seventeen, uh, 
uh, Radmo Hunter, guest 12, guest 15, Wildman, guest 16, guest 1, East Oklahoma, guest 4, guest 5, Eager Beaver, guest 6, guest 7, guest 8, guest 9, guest 10, uh, got a non-member, guest 14, and then we got Long Island Yeti and uh, Scooby-Doo, Squatch Seeker, uh, they're over there on the MABRC chat room. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for showing up and listening to the show. And we really want to say thanks to Doug for, for coming on the show. And we're, we're going to have to make it two hours next time. So, <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on the show. And and uh, I can do a five hours. So just your call. Okay. <laughs> well, now, now next week we're going to be doing a recap of the the January expedition that we're putting together uh, this weekend, and then uh, on the 7th of February, we're going to have John and Stan Gass, some of our MABRC field researchers from Georgia, on the show, and we'll try to see if we can't get Bullet back on here maybe on the 14th or the 21st and make those two-hour shows. That'd be wonderful. Okay. Well, folks, that's uh, pretty much it for today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut the the show off and uh, hope to see you all on the, the forum. Of course, the address is www.mid-americabigfoot.com. That will take you to our portal page, and, of course, you can go to the forum, the website. Uh, we've got a couple other things that we've got in the works right now as far as uh, on the web. So might be a, a good idea to stay tuned for details on that. So once again, uh, that's it. Randy, you got anything to say? Nope, nope. I'm I'm satisfied. I, I'm fortunately uh, I'm glad to be here and hope to see everybody again. Okay. Thanks a lot, everybody. I'd like to say uh, uh, help feed the needy and buy my CD. <laughs> Oh, that was a good show. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.